co-host Erin Oliphant. And it's been uh, two weeks, I think, since we last chatted on this guy. I uh, apologize for that. I had a couple of you reach out, um, and I know I think Aaron Hat did too. Uh, if we were having a podcast last week, and uh, to be honest, it's 100% my fault. I don't even know where the week went last week. The holiday completely screwed me over for some reason, and I just ran out of life space. So um, be our first podcast that we officially missed. I think it'll be all right. Hopefully you guys survived without us. <laughs> <laughs> I, my guess is you did uh, but we're back uh, here to chat all things triathlon life everything in between answer your questions and yeah just here to chat with you for the next 50 to 60 minutes uh, before we dive into anything that we're going to chat about here um, as a reminder you can send us questions to you dot com slash podcast we love to get your questions they help us just to be able to ensure that we get you guys content that you want to hear um gives us topics to talk about and yeah kind of makes it more fun so awesome we're gonna dive right in Aaron, what have you been up to the last two weeks you know it's actually been a fairly busy but exciting couple of weeks for me um so I got a job offer for a job that I'm going to do along with the triathlon coaching um, with Ventures Endurance that I'm pretty excited about. Um, I officially moved in with my boyfriend, so I've been doing a lot of packing and unpacking the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, but finally got settled in kind of in my peak weeks. Um, getting ready for Coeur d'Alene before I start resting a little bit next week. Um, so that always adds some fun, but training's been going really well and overall life's been going pretty well. So it's been good. How about you, Kayla? Uh, life is great. Life is busy, which is why we missed last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what's going on with these last couple of weeks, but I kind of feel like I can't even keep my head above water and we are just surviving over here, but in a like all good way, if that makes any sense. Like it's been a great couple of weeks. We've had a lot of fun. Training's been going pretty well. Um, we've just been so busy and Brandon's new job is a lot busier than his last job. And so he's gone a lot more just throughout the entire day um which just means I'm on even more um which is not not a bad thing but just the way that it is um and yeah we've just been busy Skylar started golf camp this week and it's the cutest thing in the whole world <laughs> he's, he's such a good golfer he is he is the youngest by like three or four years and he looks so tiny out there, <laughs> but he's so cute. He just loves it. And he's, he actually spends the whole time cause it's kind of like very camp like, so they're, they do like fun games and it's not like, not actually all that instructional. It's just very camp ish like, and kind of fun. And it's definitely geared towards beginners, which technically Skylar is a beginner. But for those of you that have followed my life, Skyler is not a beginner golfer and he's three and a half 
Um, so he spends the whole time being like, when are we going to golf? When are we going to golf? When are we going to golf? Um, <laughs> which is really cute. Um, <laughs> and then both boys started swim lessons this week. And um, training's just been busy and a lot and work and kind of all, all the things. But training's been going pretty good. Um, I'm finally back to actually kind of swimming after I fell almost three weeks ago now that's all that's taken a while um i actually did 2500 yards today nice yeah oh yeah which is crazy mostly swimming almost all swimming very minimal kicking and we're gonna go i'm down to not really having to use tools like so previously i kind of stayed swimming the whole time but i mostly did kicking and then when i did swim i used fins to help kind of just keep propulsion so I wasn't having to pull as hard. And I'm down to not really using the fins unless it's for like specific drill work. So progress, progress. Nice. So Progress is always good. Yes. And hopefully I can actually start swimming more than about three days a week because I'm definitely an athlete who needs to swim a lot more than three days a week. It just doesn't come better when you swim a lot for me so I think for most people that's the case I think that's why swimmers usually have at least 10 swim sessions a week is because it's just being in the water is really important for getting better at swimming yeah that's actually something you and I have talked about on this before how we both agree that it's better like if you had the opportunity to do more swims even if they were shorter so like you only you could get in the pool four to five days a week, but it could only be for a half hour. That would almost be better than only getting in the pool twice a week and swimming five k. Yeah, still agree. Still have not changed my mind on that. Yeah, I mean, my <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely not. You had a big swim today, and your watch actually I did it to miles. It was so big. It I did. Um, Yesterday was the first time in a very long time I felt like myself in the water, um, which was really exciting. And luckily, I hadn't freaked out about it too much, but I definitely haven't been enjoying swimming as much because I just haven't felt great in the water. Um, But I just haven't freaked out because I haven't had a race yet where I've gotten out and been like, oh, that swim was trash. So I just kept having the mindset, oh, the swim will click eventually, it will be fine, it will be there on race day. Um, and it finally clicked, and so much so, where today I was scheduled to do 5,000, but hadn't hit 6,000 since I stopped swimming, and I was like, hey, I kind of want to do 6,000 today. So I added kind of an extra round of the set and did 6,000, and it felt good and feel pretty accomplished, and it was finally back at the pace I like to be at. So that was fun. Good. Just shows that everything's kind of clicking, you know, it's kind yeah. of that time frame where things do start to click. And if you can kind of trust the process, it will come around. I can definitely tell you that I don't know that I've ever like hit 5k and then been like, yeah, let's do six. <laughs> <laughs> I usually am hit 5k and I'm like, oh, thank God I'm done. <laughs> It's been a while, but I don't know why. I just, I, I enjoy the set that I did today. Um, I've done that set, I feel like, a lot before, but I liked it. 
and I knew before I got in where I wanted to add the extra. So it kind of works its way up to where you're doing like a 500 or a 400 strong in it. And I was like, oh, I'll add a round where I do a 500 strong in it. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. I enjoyed it and it was a beautiful day and I had the pool to myself the entire time. Oh, wow. So, That's impressive. Yeah. That doesn't happen very yeah. often. No, it doesn't, but it was nice. Remind myself of what you did today. I thought I remember, but I didn't. But yes, this is a good set. This is one of my favorites, too. Um, Yeah, so to our listeners, um, yeah, it's 100 easy and then a 100 strong around an RPE of 8 and a 100 solid at an RPE of 7 and then 100 fast. Um, And you go through that, I think it would be seven times. So it starts with that 100 um, strong at an RPE of 8 and then it goes 200, 300, 400, 300, 200, 100 by round. Um, So it's a lot of fun. So the strong, the strong interval, which is, you know, a good solid hard interval increases as you get going. It's a really great Ironman distance style training swim. And the yards go by really quick. Yeah, because there's a lot of variability. Yeah. Yep. But I never get bored during that one, which is why I was able to add another round. And I mean, I definitely felt it that I hadn't done 6,000 since. I don't even know if I did 6,000 my senior year of college because I switched to sprint group that year. So it's been a while, but it was fun. I feel accomplished. That was my only workout of the day. 6K is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, but good. It was my only workout of the day. So, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, you've had a couple of really good um, kind of sessions here. So, for those of you that maybe are new to the podcast, Erin is about three, two, well, currently about two and a half ish weeks out from Coeur d'Alene. So, we're kind of finishing up her final round of. you know, bigger, bigger volume. And last week she had a, um, uh, four or sorry, a hundred miler basically. So five and a half hours and then an 18 mile progression run. Um, I made her go out and do right up to Bartlett Lake. For those of you that live in <laughs> the Phoenix area know what we're talking about, but Bartlett Lake is a favorite ride. But it is a challenging ride. <laughs> you can put in some serious climbing. You basically go from, you start climbing and you climb for like 20 miles and then you go down a little bit and then you just keep climbing and you just keep climbing and you do some really steep like 8% grade climbs that last. I'm actually going to look here really quick. Um, this one is eight miles long. I mean, I think it took me over an hour to get back up so yeah I think it's like eight miles it's not giving me the exact on here oh yeah seven miles 7.1 miles long um so you have a lot of those um and she executed beautifully um and also executed her run really really well and so I kind of wanted Aaron to chat on this a little bit because there's so much power and like where your like where your mindset is was with this because this is even something like because I rode with you and I met you kind of at the top before we went to head towards Bartlett Lake and you were like I'm just I'm trying not to I'm trying not to bonk here and I said no you're doing what you need to do um but walk us through your kind of mindset with those two sessions and how you focused on execution and why that was powerful for you and what kind of those two sessions did for you. 
Yeah, so I used to have the mindset where if I am not at race pace, then there's no way I'm going to be able to do it in a race, which is not true at all. Um, so this whole build, I've just been focusing on executing the workouts the way they're meant to be executed. Um, and I know from riding with Kayla in the past that if I try to keep up with Kayla, I will <laughs> creep into my zone four pretty quickly and I will bonk. Um, but I'm also a fairly competitive person. And even though I know Kayla's better than me, it still takes a lot for me to not want to try and keep up with her. Um, but I let her go. Um, just rode at the Watts I was supposed to be at. So first couple of hours of the ride, it was just zone two, stayed in that, felt good. Um, then when hour three was when we made, or hour two to hour three is when we started climbing up Bartlett Lake. Um, and I had one hour where I was supposed to be at race pace in that ride. So I just was like, okay, we'll do race squats on this climb just with the terrain. It made sense to do it there. Um, felt really good for that hour. Um, then got to the top and was able to just go back to zone two, um, stayed in zone two, got to see Kayla coming back on the downhill and through Cave Creek. Um, yeah. she, caught me, she caught me long slacking again. a little bit. <laughs> I was totally slacking. I was just, doo, doo, doo. I'm enjoying life here. I mean, I was only supposed to be riding zone two watts anyways, but I just was like zone one, not, not a care in the world. La, 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 la. And then she blew by me and I was like, okay, you need to figure yourself out, Kayla. Come on. <laughs> like, you are being lazy. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. I got to spend the first like three and a half hours of that ride knowing Kayla was out there with me. Um, we separated about three and a half hours in where I needed to stop and refill. And she only had a four hour ride. Um, so oh, she's less far along in her current Ironman build. Also, you do way more volume. So I think you had a way longer ride on Sunday. Yes. Too. <laughs> um, yes, I did. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, refilled at the gas station had two more hours to go it was really nice to kind of break it up that way where i had less time left after kayla left um mm -hmm. and just finished out at zone two felt really good and then i had the run the next day um and same idea with my run i wanted to really focusing focus on staying in my zones and being able to progress um, because that's kind of my race plan at Coeur d'Alene and the way I did it, it worked out perfectly for that because Coeur d'Alene's three loops and I essentially did three loops on this nice. run. Um, so it was an 18 miles descend every six miles, essentially, um, yep. until the last six are at race pace. And I felt good and just did it as written and was able to finish really strong. Um, and although I've done that in previous builds um, where I've felt really good. I've always gone outside of the zones I'm supposed to be. And even though I feel good and I'm able to do it while I'm doing the workout, it affects my workouts all of the next week. And I usually end up injured or with some niggles. That is the um, key, the key, the key factor, everybody. Erin <laughs> just touched on like the most yeah. important piece there that why it's important to stay in your zones. Yeah. Just because you can go faster doesn't mean that you should. Um, your workouts are designed in a very specific fashion to have a very specific effect. 
Um, and when you're doing all your workouts hard, it's going to break you down. And that's where we're going to start to get all those overuse injuries, where we're start going to start getting sick all the time, where we're going to start feeling tired all the time, or we're going to lose, quite frankly, all the motivation to want to do workouts. Um, and I've really seen that this season that I've been able to have an Ironman build um, besides the issues I've had with my lungs, which is nothing related to training. Um, I've just had asthma my whole life and that comes and goes. Um, but with the exception of that, I've been able to have my first Ironman build where I haven't had to take two or three weeks off to address some overuse injury yeah. from going too hard in all my workouts. So it's been exciting and it's been fun. And I'm showing it this week too, where I didn't take those big sessions too hard. And now I'm able to hit all my workouts this week too. And I've had some higher intensity sessions the last couple of days, not super high, but definitely a little faster than race pace. And it's been good. And I've been able to do that and feel good and excited for another couple of long workouts before I start resting a bit. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's just, you just touched on so many key points there and why it's so important to really focus on the execution because it is so easy to want to do more or be harder and like I have this on like I struggle with this as well myself like I mean I actually even just recently like I decreased my FTP so that I could ride at a lower wattage so that I wasn't going to get some of these like burnout type of feels and it's when you really focus on that execution you stay within kind of the zones that you need to in order to allow yourself to your body, your physiological system to appropriately kind of adapt, then that's when you get stronger. One of the things that happens when we go out too hard and which is, you know, a lot of people number one thing is we just burn so much glycogen so quickly that we can't keep up. Um, and then that's when you, like you said, you burn out, you bonk, you can't, it affects you for the next couple of sessions, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what do you think has been the biggest kind of mindset change for you that has helped you to make kind of this switch of being able to focus on, you know, where you need to be almost even physiologically versus physically almost, um, mm -hmm. to kind of stay focused? Um, I think for me, just being able to celebrate executing the sessions as I should, um, like I used to get really excited every time I do a hundred mile ride at over 20 miles per hour, because it'd be like, oh, great. Now I can do a race at 21 miles per hour. Um, but instead of those like number goals, just being able to reflect at the end of each workout and be happy when I execute a workout the way that it was written and be proud of myself for executing a workout the way that it was written because um, over time that's going to make you a way better athlete than going hard at each and every session. And I could really reflect on my swim career. And if I knew that and what I knew now, I probably would have been a way better swimmer back in the day because I just – I felt the need to be the hardest worker. And to me at the time, that meant just like going all out and grinding like every single workout, no matter if it was like a recovery session or a speed session, because I didn't want anyone to think I was lazy. And that was always like my biggest fear. Um, but I also think that meant I didn't get better past like age 15 because I just was always in this high stress zone and could never recover. 
Yeah, your body was never letting you actually adapt to the training that you were trying to do. It was just always pumping too much cortisol almost. And, and yep. <laughs> you were just in this constant fight or flight response that never, you know, never allowed yourself to kind of adapt to it. Um, and that's hard. It's tough on our bodies to do that. And like you said, that's when we start to start to see things, you know, more physiologically that can go wrong. Like, you know, our, our, our cortisol levels get really high. Then our, you know, then our, all of our stress hormones are, are really, really high. And we, we get really anemic and then our inflammation is really high. And the next thing you know, you know, your body just can't respond to the things that it needs to respond to. And you get injured or exhausted or mentally burnt out, emotionally burnt out. And you yeah. know, that's when you see a lot of problems. And so, yeah, but I think you should that's what I was gonna... where you're at right now. You're doing really good. Yeah, I'm happy and have a lot of confidence now going at CDA. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I'm excited. Yeah, also excited good. to rest a little bit. So yes. got to get through these next you few sessions. You got to get sessions. through this next few sessions. <laughs> <laughs> you got like one more weekend. This is the, your last one. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then what yeah. we do, you know, um, you know, we, I think we've talked about this in the past, but it's a great kind of segue into the topic a little bit is, you know, if we're tapering, right. So Erin is two on Sunday, on Sunday, she'll Sunday, be yeah. two weeks out. And that puts us into, um, um, technically you could call it, we start tapering, but taper is such a loose word. It doesn't necessarily mean resting, right? Like I think a lot of times we, it does actually, I or take that back. It does mean resting. <laughs> um, it doesn't uh, mean it's going to be all easy. Exactly. It really just means you start sharpening. So your volume decreases exponentially. Um, and you in kind of increase the intensity a tiny bit, um, not, you know, out of this world, but you do increase the intensity so that you stay sharp. Um, but you just start bringing the volume down so that your body can actually adapt to the, the fatigue that you've built. Um, and you know, really kind of stay really sharp. A lot of times the biggest problem that we see is that people peak too soon because they rest too quickly. Um, and then what happens is, is on race day, they're actually really sluggish and slow. Um, and if you kind of get to that space where if you start to notice like a week out where all of a sudden everything feels really, really sluggish and slow, that may even mean that you need to actually add some volume back in in order to kind of just like revamp the system a little bit, um, almost create some fatigue to kind of get your body back on track. So tapering is a little bit funky, um, but... It's a mixture of decreasing volume and adding intensity so that you get rest, but not too much rest. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's a and I will effect. say, I will say everybody's different and it yes. might take a few races for you to find out what works best for you in terms of decreasing distance, decreasing intensity, how far out should you do it? Um, for me, I've been an endurance athlete my whole life, um, so anywhere from two to three weeks usually works pretty well with me, um, and I kind of know the phases I go through in those two weeks at this yeah. point in my life, and I know what to expect. Like one week out, my legs are going to feel achy and like trash, yep. um, and I know during that That's time standard. not to freak out, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yep. and uh, in a week, I'll be feeling great. 
Um, so you kind of just have to trust the process, but also like take some notes about your own body, like reflect after a race, jot it down. So you can mm-hmm. share those with your coach because everybody is different. Yeah. I think it's important to also know that a lot of times you will show up on race day. You're just going to show up. Your body's going to show up. The adrenaline's going to kick in. Yeah. Your brain's going to kick in. The energy's going to kick in. And next thing you know, it's there. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, yeah. it just, and especially if you've been doing it for a while, no matter, you know, no matter who you are, you could be the person who comes in first, person who comes in last, but you will show up for what you need to show up for on that day. Um, and, and, you know, so definitely kind of, you know, ground yourself in that a little bit. Um, I mean, there's been plenty of weeks, pre-race weeks, where I've felt like complete garbage. And it's just like, all right, well, I know on race day, you know, I can, I'll get myself through it and I'll be able to get myself yeah. there. And we just kind of roll with it. So. I mean, my, my fastest 70.3 distance was in the middle of Kona training with like one day backed off and the rest yeah. of it was like peak Kona training. And that's still my best 70.3 time so far so and I did not feel good it hurt mm-hmm. but if there's a will there's a way exactly yeah no it's a good it's a good reminder to like kind of just trust the system and almost just trust yourself and just know hey yeah everything will show up um you know when it needs to so yay well I'm excited for you to race I'm having a little bit of like foam a lot not a little bit I'm actually having a lot of bit of like foam when it comes to <laughs> racing right now like boulder 70.3 is this weekend and I really that's one of my favorite races it's been a couple of years since I've gotten to race it um and I had planned on being there this year and I decided after um honestly after Texas I decided I needed a break um and I can tell the break has helped because I'm like itching to race but I also know that I need more time to not hemorrhage money on traveling to races and <laughs> and for a physiological standpoint, but also for my bank account. I yeah. am not I am not sponsored by anybody. I am your 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 lowly new professional who my own bank account is sponsoring this life. And, uh, <laughs> It took a huge hit on the first portion of the year, so it needs it needs a, it needs a cool down. Uh, but I'm having some serious fun yeah. now. I like miss racing. I'm definitely one of those people that likes to race, and so I'm like, okay, we've got people racing. Where if you take you has a huge group of people racing at Eagle Man. We've got a couple or late girl Mel's racing at uh, Boulder, and then we've got we had some people race at. Hawaii last weekend, and then you're racing Coeur d'Alene, Danielle's racing Coeur d'Alene, like, oh, and I'm not racing until the end of July. Oh, man. <laughs> It'll be all right. It will just make it that much more exciting when July rolls around. Exactly, and July will roll around very quick. It's already going fast, so. Um, awesome. Well, we had a um, couple of questions um well really one question that I wanted to go over that I kind of felt was kind of fit in here and then we have a topic that we kind of wanted to discuss a little bit and the main question that we had um came from Sophia and she was wondering about drafting um you know because she was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about drafting and so she sent in something to us asking you know she said I she's 
not a very good swimmer and so she comes out kind of in the back of the pack but she is a very good biker um had one of the fastest bike splits um at her race last year and so she's constantly just having to pass people right and so she was just asking how we deal with drafting how do we pass um, when people are 12 meters apart you know etc and so for those of you that don't know or are new to um, racing, um, long course triathlon, which is what Aaron and I specialize in, is um, uh, not draft legal. So you cannot draft. There is a, um, for Ironman branded races, um, the draft zone is 12 meters. And for PTO branded races, it's 20. And I, I don't know what it is for challenge branded races. Um, um, it's 20, so PTO races is 20 meter draft zone. Um, and there's a lot of rules in regards to, um, you know, how, how long you have, you have, um, for age groupers, I think you have 45 seconds to pass for pros. It's 25 seconds to pass. As soon as you enter that draft zone, there's a slotting in concept, which is where if you, um, uh, there's say there's two people uh, ahead of you and they are they are 12 meters apart slotting in would be you pass one person and then you slot in in between the person in front technically if those two people are at 12 meters apart you have to pass both of them you cannot just pass one jump in and then pass the other you have to pass everybody that is within that 12 meter zone um, which makes it really challenging um, and um, a lot of these races, you know, one of the things that is kind of a struggle is this drafting concept. Um, age groupers and professionals have the same rules, um, which I personally think is great because it creates space for all of us to be on the same playing field, no matter who you are, whether you're racing to win it or you're just out there to enjoy it you are still following the same rules and it creates a semblance of everybody, you know, staying within the same space. Um, so it really, when you have people that are in that kind of like that big group, you have to make a decision. Is it worth it to try to pass a really huge group where you're probably going to have to push really heavy watts to get past them because you have to pass everybody or do you sit back in the, not in the draft zone, but in the legal distance and allow, you know, them maybe to kind of pull you? I don't know. It's a tough, it's always a tough, it's part of racing. It's kind of what makes it a little bit fun is you have to really kind of look at those things. Um, I know for me, the biggest challenge that I always found and still find um, is that large groups of, men like to converge around women it seems and that can be really challenging um to be able to deal with having to get past them when they are going to hold higher watts than you and be faster than you and it's just the way that it is um i don't know if i have a great way of fixing it or like what you should do it kind of is you having to really look at what is my race entail is the fact that I have to sit back behind this group at an and legal distance. Does that affect my race? Does it affect my race more to try to get past them? Um, and you kind of have to look at it from kind of all those angles. Um, you know, 
it's more important to, in my opinion, follow the rules than it is to try to kind of ignore them a little bit, just maybe because everybody else is. I don't know. How do you deal with it? Because you're always at the you're always front on the front people out. So you probably have you're gonna you're gonna have people who are um, slower. Who you know again age group men who are bigger, stronger, inherently going to be faster than you, um, kind of blowing by you. Yeah, I luckily have not had to deal with it much because I'm always, even with age group men, like the top five out of the water. Um, so I start the bike course with pretty much a clear path ahead of me. Um, and when people do pass me, it tends to be the top age group men and they just fly by. Mm -hmm. um, however, I did have to deal with it at 70.3 Worlds in St. George last year um, because I was the last wave of the day, I think, to go off. And it frustrated me to no it's belief because really, I was so not frustrating. used to it. Um, and I will say, I think some of it, I think there were too many people allowed to register for the race. So the mm -hmm. course was super, super crowded. Um, I don't think there was enough people out there calling drafting, um, because Never there is, were some groups that were very, very intentionally drafting off each other. Um, and I tried to let it go as much as I can. And I think... When it comes to the frustration aspect of seeing people drafting, you kind of just have to let it go because there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just going to waste energy being frustrated. Um, but it does make it really hard to pass. Yeah. In those situations, I always try to ground myself in knowing that I am racing a fair race. And if yeah. they're going to cheat, they have to be the ones that live with that at the finish line. Not me. Yeah. I um, race a fair race. And that's what I do. Um I agree with you. I think they need to cap entry fees, entries, not allow as many people. I do too. And if it is something that tends to bother you a lot, maybe look up, look for signing up for races that and only are one loop. It does limit the amount of people mm -hmm. on the, or just it spreads people out yep. throughout the course more. Um, I mean, St. George was only one loop and it still was awful. Um, but I think that race had a ton of participants. So yeah, they hadn't had, I don't know. Long. It sucks. If yeah. you're someone who like is realizing that you have to do a lot of passing and a lot of surging, I'd probably incorporate more surge work into your training mm -hmm. to be used to it. Um, but it's just not something that unless it's a championship race where I'm going to be in the back that I have to deal with frequently. Yeah. It's actually something that we've incorporated into my training because in the professional field, there is a lot more surging because you are trying to stay with the pack at, you know, within that legal limit or within that legal distance. So you are trying to stay with, you know, trying to stay with the pack, um, or you are trying to have to pass like, um, multiple people because we all, right. They all ride very fast and you can easily right? There can usually be five of five women, um, or men, no matter, you know, where, depending on where you're racing that can hold, then stay within that legal distance. And so the surging in the professional field is to all of a sudden you're going to be like, okay, now I got to hold, you know, 300 plus Watts for X amount of time frame, and to get past everybody is, is really prevalent. 
Um, and so a lot of, that's why a lot of professionals will do a lot of surge work, a lot of, you know, really high intensity, you know, four minutes really hard and then recover and four minutes really hard and then recover. Um, because that's kind of the style of racing. Um, yeah, to help with that, I think that was a good point, Aaron, is to pick races, um, that are more variable. So races that do have hills can break up some of that. Um, and, um, really, really flat races tend to have higher draft pack. Um, uh, races that are multiple loops tend to have a higher draft pack, um, just inherently. Um, and I think the thing is just you as the athlete have to be really conscious about passing safely. Um, you know, that's, you know, like Arizona is a race where, um, you know, even when I was an age grouper, I was constantly having to pass, you know, pass people and you kind of just stay to your left safely. You know, you don't cross the center line, but you stay to your left safely and just keep passing them and, you know, make sure you're loud and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to yell at people like on your left, on your left so that they know that you're coming. You know, even if they're going to get mad at you, that's their own issue. <laughs> I had a lady in Arizona last year, um, yell at me that I was going too fast when I was yep I've her. had that and I was like I'm sorry I'm I'm like I don't know what to tell you here but I <laughs> I'm not going to Arizona 70.3 I had that same thing same uh, thing at Arizona 70.3 because that's a three loop bike yeah <laughs> it's um, something yeah so it's um you know it's kind of one of those where if you you follow the rules and then it will kind of show up, you know, in the, in the end. Um, I don't know that either one of us have a great answer for that. I don't think <laughs> just wish that the uh, amount of people in the races was a little bit less and that would help. I think that's a common thought of lots in the triathlon world right now for lots of different reasons. Yes, it is both safety and fairness wise. hundred percent. Um, and there's plenty of, like, I don't think, you know, I'm definitely someone who is a huge believer that everybody deserves an opportunity to race no matter who you are, because that's why triathlon is so cool because everybody, like anybody gets to do it. And that's why it's so awesome. But there's lots of races and they still can, you can still allow 1,500 to 2,000 participants and have it not feel too crazy. It's when it starts to get above that number um, that it starts to get really crazy. And so I wish I wish they'd cap it at like 1,800. And I think it would still really allow for a lot of people to experience triathlon in the way that it needs to be experienced. So. I think they can cap it without raising the prices too. I know... I work, I've worked in that industry. I know how expensive it is to do road closures and to hire safety personnel to do all those road closures. Um, but rate the races are pretty expensive already. And I think they can still make money even if they cap it. Yep. I think so too. And you know what? I mean, here's the, set, the thing though. If they raise the rates, people are still going to come. Yeah. Is the way it is, right? I'm pretty broke though, so please don't. Yes, please don't. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I would agree please with that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So awesome. Um, okay, the other topic that I wanted 
My Siri's yelling at me all of a sudden for some reason. <laughs> My computer and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear it. That's good. I just started like yelling at night. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it was really loud. <laughs> uh, I'm also pretty sure that Baylor, who is now in here, um, came in here to poop. And he, because now all of a sudden my area smells really bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Um, But the last topic that I wanted to kind of chat on today was this idea. And it it kind of like bodes a little bit with what we talked about at the beginning um, on how like you've been really focusing on not being all or nothing, but being really focused and intentional with what you're doing. And I, this idea of all or nothing and I'm kind of seeing this trend. Um, I see trends a lot with a lot of the athletes that I work with, and it seems like I will see trends of like people failing their nutrition. All everybody fails their nutrition all at the same time, or uh, everybody has a self confidence issue. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, all comes in waves. And right now, a trend that I'm kind of seeing with a lot of athletes is this: this all or nothing, or this, like I have to be doing a thousand percent, or I can't do it at all. And in I think that's it's a it's a really kind of misguided idea because if we can actually focus on the idea of being present within where we are in the space of life and what we need in that space well then we are doing a thousand percent for what we need to we don't a thousand percent or all in doesn't mean that you have to be doing 20 hours a week of training you don't have to be working 80 <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because Baylor is sitting here like agreeing no, with me. No, no, no. <laughs> but and and it really rather really looking at where you are and what you need as a person and as an athlete and as a human and saying, what do I have to do to be all in in this space? And maybe that means you only can do three days a week, but you're all in on those three days. Or maybe it means you can only do 10 hours a week. And that's okay. And I think we get really caught in this idea that we can't back off. Right? Or that we can't take it easy. Or like you said, that we have to do everything at race pace. That we can't be in this recovery effort. Or if we have a niggle, we can't slow down communicate and work together to in order to move through it we just can't do it anymore and i just feel like i'm seeing this a lot and kind of makes me sad because i feel like if you can stay really present within where you what you need you're actually going to get so much more out of everything that you're trying to do and you'll move through it better from a mental standpoint, a physical standpoint, a physiological standpoint, an emotional standpoint, versus trying to just beat, you know, beat the hammer through the wall. Or what is the saying? Put a square peg through a round hole? And I don't know. I think this was a big shift for you that I've seen in the last, like, you know, two years that we've been working together. And it's really allowed you to kind of grow as an athlete. Um, And I think it's one thing that more people need to kind of focus on and being okay with. And sometimes that means checking your ego. And sometimes it means just, again, saying when you can really focus on kind of calming yourself and staying centered and present, then 
you actually allow yourself to really see what you need as the athlete. And it's amazing then when you can actually usually find that you'll get faster or better because you've chosen to focus on what you need in that space versus what you expect or what you think people expect you to need. Baylor Ray! He just drew on the... <coughs> he just drew on, drew on the wall. That is not okay. <laughs> Welcome to my chaos, everybody. No. Um, yeah, with that... Um, I guess when I was in high school, I fully had the all-in mentality. I had it a bit when I started to triathlon, but nothing like it was in high school when I was swimming. I think I had a 100% attendance record for three out of the four years of high school. Like, I'd go when I was sick and, like, would make the coach send me home. I was just scared of not being all in because I thought that meant that I wasn't a hard worker and that I was lazy and it led to me one missing out on so many like life activities I should have been enjoying at that time of my life Mm -hmm. um but it also led to really really bad anxiety um and panic attacks where I'd be practicing and I would be seeing gunmen in the stands and thinking that they were like watching over me and if I was like being lazy they were gonna shoot me and it got really bad um but a lot of that stemmed from like this all-in mentality that I had to be at a hundred percent of what I was capable all the time and that's not true you would just have to be like at a hundred percent of what you are that day and I've really grown and shown that this year in triathlon like I texted Kayla like two weeks ago and was like hey I need a day off um, and I've just gotten so much better at listening to my body and finding balance and figuring out what I need and just being all in when I'm doing what I'm doing and all in on executing. Um, and I think that's what you should do when you're looking at being all in. Just take what you're doing, be all in on that, be all in on executing it the way that you're supposed to execute it, be all in on doing what you can do and not what you feel like you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so many different ways to think of it, but you don't need to be doing more than everybody else to be considered a hard worker. Like most of us are hard workers. We do this sport because we like working hard and challenging our body. None of us, I think, are lazy. Um, It's just you've got to just give yourself some grace and enjoy it and just take what you can do and love doing it. I think it's really this idea of just re, kind of like reframing what dedication and discipline means to you too. And, you know, because a lot of times we talk about this idea of dedication and discipline being then the main components of what you need. need. And it's true. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Like I will always say that motivation is pretty much bullshit. Like it doesn't do anything for you. Motivation gets you to sign up for the thing. Motivation doesn't doesn't keep you going dedication and discipline do however dedication and discipline doesn't mean blasting yourself it means being dedicated and disciplined for to what you need what you're doing and being honoring your body and what it needs in order to kind of accomplish where you're trying to go and that could mean that maybe you need a rest day. 
Maybe that means that you need to only be walking for right now as you increase your body's resilience to just movement. And that's, that's you being all in, being focused in that space. It doesn't, you know, all in doesn't mean all or nothing. It just means being focused and dedicated to you. And I think when we can reframe what that discipline means for ourselves and what it looks like in order to accomplish it, it helps us to look at it from a little bit different perspective um, and maybe a perspective that helps to, you know, make seem less scary and crazy. Um, Baylor's throwing a fit for those of you that are, can hear in the background. He can't get back into the, into the office. He locked himself out and he wants back in. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Welcome to my crazy. Um, so yeah, I just, I think, you know, I think it's important for us to really look at, um, all in from a different perspective and looking at it from where we want to go and what it takes for us to achieve that achieve that that can be all simple as really looking at um what actions do you need and i always think that's a really great space to look at it is what actions do i have to put into place in order to achieve what it is i need to achieve um you know, my, the three pieces that I always tell athletes to kind of focus on is clearing the mind, staying present, and then actions that help you to move through whatever it is that you're trying to move through. And if you can constantly go back to those three things, then it becomes a lot easier to look at discipline from a space of, hey, this is what I need to do in order to do for me. Um, I don't know. I guess what we're saying is we give you, for those of you that are listening, we give you permission to have grace for yourself, to honor your, yes. own, to um, honor your own body and honor your own journey. And everybody's journey is different. I, um, this conversation has made me think of so many different passages from my favorite book that I'm sure I've brought up and will bring up again called Leave No Doubt by Mike Babcock. Have it tattooed on me. I love that book. Um, but two specific like passages is one like how like endurance or just I, I'm just gonna you like have to enjoy the grind or else you'll like burn yourself out before you reach your goals and like the endurance part of the sport needs joy um and then also how like over analyzing and over focusing and doing that constantly is gonna burn you out and burn out the people around you before you even like get to the end of what you're trying to accomplish so like it's okay to change that focus and it's okay to take a day off and mm -hmm. that does not mean you're not all in because all of us want to be considered all in. Like, that's why we love this sport. Um, but it will burn you out and it will probably shorten your longevity in this sport if that's the thought process you have. Yeah, I always, and I think that's awesome. I like your idea that whole, the piece of joy being within the journey. And that kind of is like my favorite whenever I work with clients in, in mental performance or athletes just in general, my favorite thing that I always show is like the staircase 
right? Where mm-hmm. you have to walk up the staircase to get to the outcome. The outcome is 20% of what you're working towards. It's, it's the very top of the staircase is 20%. And the whole journey is 80% of it. And you have to walk up each piece of the staircase in order to get to the top. You have to go through all 80%. You spend all of your time in the journey. So enjoying it, finding joy in it, celebrating the pieces that, um, like you kind of talked about earlier, Erin, celebrating the things that go well. Finding things to celebrate even when they don't go well. Learning from it, walking up each piece gets you 1% further, right? We always think we have to make these big changes super quickly. Or we, we can't, we have to be like all or nothing. But really, if you focus on 1%, being 1% better, then you're making progress. You're moving up that staircase. You're heading towards that outcome. We yeah. get really, really fo- overly focused on this outcome that's only a really small portion of what we're doing when the rest of it is the whole journey. Um, so, yeah, learning to celebrate and is I think really key. To like, you say 1% better, the 1% better doesn't always have to mean doing more. Like for me, a couple of weeks ago, getting 1% better to me meant texting Kayla and being like, hey, I need the day off today because that was able to let my body recover and my mind recover. And now I've had two really great weeks of working out um, that I don't think I would have had if I didn't have that day off because I just, I needed it emotionally more than anything. Um, and like that was my 1% better and mm-hmm. because it's allowed me to really refocus and execute again. Yeah. My silly analogy that I like to give clients is um, you want to improve your diet and you're on this continuum of you're either you're the you're one side of the continuum is you're the person who only eats Twinkies every single day, right? Like, right, because Twinkies are disgusting. <laughs> and so it's like, that's the worst you can get. So you're the Twinkies. <laughs> And then the other side of the continuum is the complete, like fully organic. You basically grow it from your own garden. Nothing's processed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Those are your your continuum. You want to try to get your, you're the Twinkie eater and you're trying to make changes. Well, one, instead of going from only eating Twinkies to all of a sudden starting your own greenhouse and trying to grow, that's like a huge change, right? So instead, maybe you do something as simple as, is, you know, change your potato chips that you eat. <laughs> like, right? Instead of buying Lay's potato chips, you buy Kettle Brand potatoes chips because Kettle Brand has less ingredients and is quote unquote made with better stuff. That's a change. You have now moved 1% better. And what that does is that then starts to trigger okay, I made that change. Well, maybe now I'm going to eat salad for every dinner. Like it just starts to, it starts a snowball effect, starts to change things. And then all of a sudden your, your changes get bigger and better. So when you focus on 1%, next thing you know, they do start to get bigger. So. Awesome. Well, I have a child melting down that I need to <laughs> He's really upset. He wants to hang with mama. Um, so, and he's covered in paint. So. <laughs> I think we are going to sign off here before he breaks down my glass French doors to lead into the office. 
<laughs> or my husband's head explodes. One of the two. <laughs> you never know. I'm not sure which one's going to happen first. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, I apologize for missing a week, but we should be back on a hopefully a little bit more regular schedule here. And we will, as a reminder, you can send us questions to www.whereyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. And if you've enjoyed the show, if you could please leave us a review or share on your social media platforms, it'd be really helpful for us just to get the word out and um, get our kind of show a little bit higher in the rankings. Um, We appreciate any and all of your guys' support. Um, Those of you that messaged and said you missed having the podcast last week, thank you. Um, Made made me feel good, at least. (laughs) (laughs) So we, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Happy training.